if you've done the due diligence and one part of the due diligence is spending a day with a franchisee if you're going to buy a Rita's Ice and not spend the day with a franchisee of that franchise concept how would you ever know what your role is going to be you need to spend a day you know do a little of the work do some observing it, it makes sense but a lot of people don't do that Ending Small Business Failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's your host, the Small Biz Chat Lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everyone. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, America's number one small business expert. And I'm excited to welcome you to another edition of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. We have an amazing show in store for you today. And if you are interested in a franchise, the thing is, you got to figure out the the right franchise, a winning franchise for you. And so we're going to talk all about that. Now, here on the Small Biz Chat Podcast, Our mission is to end small business failure. We are a peer-to-peer mentoring show, and we bring in experts from different angles to give you advice. And the goal is always to help you take your business to the next level. Now, the Small Biz Chat podcast can be seen on my Small Biz Lady Facebook page, and it can also be seen on my Small Biz Lady YouTube channel. So if you're watching us, please leave a comment please subscribe to my channel and of course share it with others so that other people can get the benefit of all of this expertise that right now you do not have to pay for. So with that, I am so excited to introduce today's guest. His name is Joel Labava. He is the franchise king and he is a franchise veteran with 20 plus years of experience. He's the author of two books on how to buy and research franchises. In addition, he is a franchise owner advisor working one-on-one with people who want to explore franchise ownership in the safest way possible. He also owns and operates the longest running blog in franchising, thefranchiseking.com. Joel, welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. Thank you, Belinda. Great to see you. It's been a few years. Uh, it's been more than a few, but we're not yeah. going to tell anybody, right? Yeah. So I know your story, but everyone else doesn't know. Tell me, how did you become the franchise king? Thank you for asking. Uh, sometimes when I'm quoted in publications, um, I'm referred to as the uh, the so-called franchise king or the self-titled. <laughs> I didn't come up with the name. Uh, uh, after I was in business for a while and I became independent and I was not a broker anymore, I was helping people and I ran into the head of uh, one of the largest chambers of commerce in, in Ohio. And I was in an event and I walk in and from across the room, I hear, here comes the franchise king. <laughs> Looking around, right? And he was talking to me. So I went to the thing and it kind of stuck in my head. And I talked to a buddy of mine, Jim Cooperl, who's a, who's kind of a branding guy himself in uh, in Cleveland. And he said, dude, you've got to trademark that name. That is awesome. You need to get a crown. I mean, you need to go all out. So I called my attorney a couple of days later. I trademarked the Franchise King, bought the FranchiseKing.com domain. 
and uh, the rest is uh, is history. So that that's how the name came came about. And uh, you know, it was at a time when uh, becoming a personal brand was really starting to get important. I've had the the website for like 15 years, the the domain, the name for like 17 years, and it's really really important uh, nowadays to help differentiate. Uh, ourselves as, as small business owners, as, as entrepreneurs. Oh, I know a little something about that too, as the small business lady in America's number one small business expert. And I, and I get asked the same thing and I'm like, Google it. If you want to know how long right. I've been called that anyway. So, um, so let's talk about franchising. I mean, how many franchise concepts are available nowadays in the marketplace? There are as of now, well over 4,000 with, uh, a hundred plus new ones coming on board every year. There's a lot of choices. Wow. So what is the average buy-in cost? I mean, is that even a fair question to ask? Sure. I, mean- sure. I always tell people about 175000 or so initial initial cost. Uh, that's about right. I mean, you know, like a hotel franchise is, is $7 million, $10 million, $15 million. Mm-hmm. And maybe a service franchise or consulting franchise is 100000 or less. So it's a, it's a good range. $175,000, $200,000 is fair. So I know that you talk a lot about it being important to find the winning franchise. And, and what do you mean by that? I define winning not only as a business you can make a really nice living at, but winning when it comes to getting support from the franchisor. That's what you're paying for. That's part of what you're paying for every month in a royalty payment. Uh, that it's an ethical franchise that the, the CEO and the executive team, they get it. They they really try to do the right thing all the time with, with their brand and their reputation. And that other franchisees are, are similar to you. You know, it, it's, it's really important to kind of be in the right culture. So that's what I call a winning franchise. And, and it needs to be a win-win for both, for the franchisor who came up with the concept, who's the true entrepreneur, and the franchisee. The person who has purchased the, the concept and is using the, the, the business system to his or her advantage to leverage it to make money. Now, I have often heard people say that if you wanted to buy a food franchise, which is is that you have to be have the capacity to buy three, like they won't even sell one anymore, that you have to have the capacity to buy three. Is that the case? And if so, what does that look like in terms of your liquidity? Like, do you have to have, you know, be, be 2 million liquid? Like, how, how do you even approach something like that if you wanted to buy a, you know, Cordoba Grill or, some, you know, one of right. those big popular food franchises? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm working with a, a franchisor right now. I'm just doing some, some uh, content marketing, some writing for them. It's called Twin Peaks, and it's a, like a lodge, like a sports bar kind of lodge. And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite expensive. It's, it's a big building. And they do encourage you to buy more than one. They want multi-unit owners, but not all at once. Okay. So, so if you're going to look at a at a, at a full-service restaurant that that costs, you know, in, in that seven hundred fifty million dollar range, first of all, you need to have over a million dollar net worth. Liquidity, a couple hundred thousand dollars, I would say minimum. But that's you know that's a big big concept. That's a big franchise. But for like um, like a, a commercial cleaning or or let's say a residential cleaning franchise, uh, you know the the entire initial investment might be one hundred forty or one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So if you have a net worth of six seven hundred thousand dollars 
and you can come up with 50 or 75,000 of your own before going, you know, getting a small business loan, you should be fine. So that so that is how people are doing it. So they are being able to qualify for SBA financing for an SBA oh, yeah. bank. Oh yeah. Yeah, good credit, decent net worth, collateral, yes. So now what are some of the downsides to franchising? Because everything's not roses. I know of a lot of people who have bought franchises and I saw them two years later and they were trying to sell their franchise. Um, I know people personally, this has happened to. Yeah. So, so talk to me about the downside of it. Well, I found out the downside of it when I was a franchise broker or consultant. My late father helped me get into the business. He, he, he saw something in me that he thought I would make a really good franchise broker. So I would match people to franchises and get paid a huge commission for doing so. The problem was some of the people I was helping, actually more than some of them, were going out of business in like a year, year and a half. And, and the guilt set in. And that's why I left brokerage. That's why I don't do that anymore. Um, I, I, I actually um, I, I get paid for my expertise up front as opposed to getting something in the back. So I'm, I, I'm as straightforward and and uh, as 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 vanilla as possible put it like that um i don't care what franchise you buy as long as you do it in a safe manner and, and that's what i teach the, the the one big con of franchising is for someone who, who who never really was comfortable following rules and all of a sudden is in a system following rules uh in a 380 page operations manual it's not a good fit I have a free quiz on my website people can take, and I grade it personally myself. I, I've done almost 7,000 of them over the last 15 years, and I graded myself. And it's a great to see if you would be a match for a franchise. Are you going to follow the rules? Are you going to do this? You know, are you willing to do it? And and this isn't something that you want to just try. You know, I yeah, I'll, sure, I'll follow the rules. No. You must commit to it before you write a check for fifty or hundred thousand dollars. You don't want any surprises. So that that what I say would be the biggest downside is there are a lot of rules and it's not for everybody because of that. One of the biggest things that I've seen is people go from having um, a knowledge job in corporate America. Let's say they're an HR executive or let's say they're a salesperson. And then they start running a business that's a seven day a week retail franchise. I I have seen a, a friend of mine went from being an HR executive and bought a a Rita's Water Ice or something like that, right. and 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 then like didn't have any kids and didn't like kids and teenagers were her employees. You know what I mean? Like and 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 I and I remember I saw her two years later and she was like, "Oh my god, I'm back in corporate America and I'm so grateful to be back. I hated my business. I hated these kids. I don't, you know." And I was just kind of like, "Why in the world would you quit a two hundred thousand dollar job to go do that and you didn't research it enough to know what it was like to be the person that had to put the key in the door and lock and unlock?" And I see a lot of that. Like I see because corporate folks tend to have the net worth, I think they like people go after that group of people. But I don't know that that group of people is ready, you know, to lift a 50 pound bag of sugar at the back door because that's where they dropped it off at. You know what I'm saying? And I've seen this go sideways for people um, quite a bit. So so I guess my my question of that is, what do you have to know about yourself <laughs> before before signing up for this for this process, because it, I heard that the scariest contract you'll ever sign in your life is a franchise contract. So, 
help me understand, you know, sort of like what you have to be thinking about, you know, before making that transition? Well, I've had people call me before they've signed their franchise uh, agreements. Like it was on their desk and like, Joel, you know, are you sure I should do this? No, I'm not. You know, um, you know this is on you. It, it, you know, it's in a big adult thing. But if you've done the research the way that I suggested, we've gone over everything. You know, you got there, There's a point where you have to trust your gut if you've done the due diligence. And one part of the due diligence, and this goes to exactly what you're talking about, Melinda, is spending a day with the franchisee. If you're going to buy a Rita's Ice and not spend the day with a franchisee of that franchise concept, how would you ever know what your role is going to be? You need to spend a day, you know, do a little of the work, do some observing. It, it makes sense, but a lot of people don't do that. Um, and you're right. Uh, downsize executives are, are a great target for a franchise business. But the ones I work with tend to have been involved in deals and mergers and acquisitions. Or they've run divisions. They know from the top down what it takes to manage and, and, and operate a business. So they're coming from a different place. But, but I do get what you mean. You know, if you're going to open an ice cream store or, or any type of food franchise and you've never been in that business, it's a, it's a rude awakening. You have 15 employees. Some of them, you know, haven't even reached puberty, you know, and right. it's like, how do you deal with them? You know, there's no shows, et cetera. So the way to do it is by spending a day and also by calling existing franchisees and asking them specific questions on what it takes to become a successful franchisee of that brand. All right. Last question before we go to break. Pros and cons of using a franchise broker. I mean, I guess from what you said earlier, it doesn't sound like uh, everybody not, might not be a fair dealer in that business. So talk to me about, about, you know, how do you go about getting the education you need before signing these contracts these people put in front of you? I think you should have asked me that question after the break. Uh, um, you know, there are pros and cons to working with a franchise broker. Just like in any business, it's 80-20. 20% of the franchise brokers are good people. They care. They want you to only buy a franchise that makes sense for you. And whatever they make on it, they make on it. They don't necessarily point you to ones where there's bigger commissions. On the opposite side of that are people that don't know a thing about franchising and became franchise brokers because for only $25,000, they were able to do so. Um, and they're spending money buying leads every month. And all of a sudden they're in this thing for 50 or $75,000 and they're just trying to sell a franchise. So they're throwing stuff against the wall, hoping that this one person will buy a franchise so that they can make some of their money back. So it's 80, 20, like anything, if you're going to use a broker, this isn't tough folks, put the broker's name in Google, see what comes up, put their name in Google, followed by the word fraud lawsuit. See if there's any baggage. It's real simple. And interview them like you would anyone else. That's great advice. Joe, tell me, why do franchises fail? Is it location? Is it not following the people's system? What is it? Because I've definitely seen it happen. It's it's usually not one thing, Melinda. It, it may be the location. Sometimes uh, uh, a franchisee will say, I know the perfect location for this business. So somehow he or she convinces the franchisor or the real real estate department at franchise headquarters that this is the location. So they open it and it is like, 
What happened? Where's all the traffic? Research needs to be done. And a franchisor with a with a real legitimate real estate department will only go for the best locations and will disagree with the franchisee. Because when it comes to location, both parties need to approve of it. So location is one is one reason why franchisees fail. The biggest reason, not enough money. You know, they're not thinking ahead of not only do they need expenses to run the business, but all of a sudden, since they're not working in corporate America anymore, they need money to run their living expenses. If their if their spouse or partner isn't working, you know, it, it's real tough to run both. So that has to be talked about in advance. So I would say the money part, not having enough money to go through that first really difficult year. And second, it, it can be location. A, a poor location can sink a franchise business fast. Now, I know one of the things that you teach people is they need to look for an easy to implement system. Okay, what do you mean by that? Because that can mean anything to me. Think about how many technology businesses could become franchises. Not many, because technology is always evolving. It's complicated. Some of it is really hard to explain to the end user. That's not the kind of business you want. You want something that is simple to implement, where there's a system in place, where you don't have to explain to the market what your product or service does, because they kind of know already. Yours just needs to be better or more different than anything. Simple is best. What? How can a franchise provide a fairly predictable path to profitability? Do they really disclose all the information that you need to know for that to happen? One of the most frustrating parts for would-be franchise owners is to find out how much they're going to make. I teach that. But the, the way to do it is really not to talk to franchise headquarters because they can only disclose so much. You need to talk to the existing franchisees who already are working the business. They're living the business. And if you ask the right way, they will tell you how long it took to get to break even and, and how much money they're making on average. You just have to ask the right way. In other words, don't make it your first or second question. You know, warm up a little bit. I love it. I love it. All right. And what is the best advice you can give somebody thinking about wanting to buy a franchise business? The best advice is when you're doing your research and when you're searching for that perfect franchise, steady and slow, slow and steady. Don't make a quick decision. It might take a month and a half, two months, three months to go through the entire process. It's okay. It's not a race. I love it. Thank you so much for being here with me on the Small Biz Chat podcast. Thank you to the Franchise King, Joel Love Love. I have screwed up your name. Labava. <laughs> um, he's got a great website, thefranchiseking.com. And thank you all for joining me for this episode of the Small Biz Chat podcast. If you're working on your digital marketing skills, be sure to check out Small Biz Lady University for the month of November. All of my online marketing courses are 50% off. All you have to do is use my code SBL50 and all of my courses are 50% off. And I never do this. So y'all better get on it. Okay. Now the mission of the Small Biz Chat Podcast is to end small business failure. I'm Melinda Emerson, your host, and I will leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. 
Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, succeedasyourownboss.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.